to the Essential Films Podcast. I am your host, Adolfo Costa. Now, this webcast, The Essential Films, uh, is actually based on my blog or my website, The Essential Films, which you can now find at EssentialFilmsPodcast.com. Now, assuming that you are a movie fan, and I am making that assumption based on the fact that you have downloaded this podcast onto your app or your mobile device or however, you're probably very much aware that there are many top 100 lists out there. Whether you're talking about the American Film Institute's top 100 lists, uh, the IMDb top 250, or perhaps a more prestigious list such as Sight and Sound's top movies of all time, that there are many, many, many top 100 lists out there for you to be uh, enjoy and debate and talk about. Now, as you pour over these lists and look over them, you might seem to notice that there's some of these films start to repeat themselves. And there seems to be a universal film canon or or films that are universally recognized by both fans and critics alike as the greatest films of all time. We're talking to films like Citizen Kane, The Godfather, the film that we'll be reviewing today, Casablanca, or Apocalypse Now, Raging Bull, Star Wars, Vertigo, Gone with the Wind, Seven Samurai, Rashomon. These are all films that are genuinely and generally considered some of the best ever made. Films that almost any cinephile or film student has either seen or will be seeing at some point in their lifetimes. And yes, on this show, we will be discussing those films, the obvious choices. But we'll also be discussing films that are not quite so obvious. We'll be discussing films that I believe everybody should be watching. Whether you're just a common everyday movie fan or perhaps a aspiring critic Uh, uh, an aspiring film student or a current film student, or maybe you just want to know more about the history of film, I believe anything that we talk about on this show will be considered an essential film. So in addition to the general film canon of the Casablancas and Citizen Kane's and Godfathers of the World, we're discussing films that also may have had a significant impact on the history of filmmaking, whether it's an artistic or scientific impact, or a historical or cultural impact. Now, this could mean any number of films. For example, major Hollywood blockbusters. Movies like Star Wars or Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Dark Knight. Films that probably most people have seen and have had a major impact on American culture, on film culture, and has probably touched your life in some way. Maybe by the fact that it was such a huge film that everyone has seen it. We could also go on the other end of the spectrum, talk about films that are the pioneers of filmmaking of the early days, the golden age of cinema, with shorts like A Trip to the Moon or The Great Train Robbery or the very controversial The Birth of a Nation. Films that started and created the language of what we know as film today. Or films that changed the language of film, that advanced technology to such a point that it changed the way that we approach film, whether as, as, as a spectator or as a creator. Films like Avatar or The Matrix. Films that completely changed the landscape of cinema. We'll also on this show be discovering and talking about and discussing movies that not only perhaps didn't change the, the film language, but perhaps had a new voice, a voice that we hadn't heard before, that at the time of their release 
with something new and fresh and different. Movies like Taxi Driver or, or Pulp Fiction. We will be discussing everything from the silent era and the early days of film to today. From small independent cinema and cult favorites to major Hollywood productions. From foreign cinema to experimental movies. Dramas and comedies, love stories, horror movies, sci-fis, westerns, action movies, cartoons, award winners, box office slops, everything. If it had a historical or cultural or creative impact, we will be discussing it on this program. Now, of course, with that caveat, with that criteria, that might mean we might make some let's say controversial choices from time to time. Movies that in the general consensus, they might not be considered classics or maybe even good. Movies that a lot of movie fans and critics might not think have any sort of positive qualities. But believe me, in in our little mission statement here, believe me when I say that if I include it in the essential films, I truly believe that this film had an impact of some sort and it deserves to be included. And my hope with this show is that Regardless of what of the quality of the film or whether you agree with the choice or not, whether it's a classic or a flop, that my review and my analysis of the film will prove to you or convince you that the film is an essential piece of cinema. Now, with that said, even if I consider it an essential film, sometimes, and this is going to be rare, hopefully, it might even be a film that even I don't think is that good, but I can't deny its cultural impact, films like Titanic or Grease, or the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Those are films I don't like, personally. But I really can't deny their impact on film and movies and culture. And after all, this is what this is all about. So with all that said, with our mission statement out of the way, let's get to the format of the show, the meat of the show. How I think I'm going to go forward with this is have one film a week that we discuss in depth. And what I will do is, maybe in the front end of the show, have a little bit of movie news, go into the meat of the program, the, the the film that we're here to discuss. And I'll probably, at the end of every show, preview the next episode so that perhaps you can go ahead and watch that film ahead of time and then come back to this episode and hear the analysis and perhaps you can write in emails chiming in with your own opinions and thoughts. And I think that's how we're going to go. It's going to be, this is the first show, so we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how we go from here. And we'll see if this is a success. But uh, I would like to say we are looking for sponsors. Uh... If anybody wants to sponsor the show, please uh, send me an email and I'll give you that email at the end of the show. But for right now, let's go to the, to our first review, our first uh, inductee or entry or however you want to put it. It, uh, it just happens to be my favorite film of all time. And that is 1942's Casablanca. With the coming of the Second World War, many eyes in imprisoned Europe turned hopefully or desperately toward the freedom of the Americas. Lisbon became the great embarkation point, but not everybody could get to Lisbon directly, and so a tortuous roundabout refugee trail sprang up. Paris to Marseille. Across the Mediterranean to Oran. by train or auto or foot across the rim of Africa to Casablanca in French Morocco. Here, the fortunate ones through money or influence or luck might obtain exit visas and scurry to Lisbon and from Lisbon to the New World. But the others wait in Casablanca and wait and wait and 
way. Casablanca was directed by Michael Curtiz and released in 1942. It runs about 102 minutes long. And it released by the United States in black and white in English, and it was released by Warner Brothers. The cast includes Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman, Paul Honreid, Claude Rains, Conrad Veidt, Sidney Greenstreet, and Peter Lorre. Written by Julius J. Epstein and Philip J. Epstein. Excuse me, Philip G. Epstein, uh, Howard and Howard Koch. Based on Everybody Comes to Ricks, an unproduced play by Murray Burnett and Joan Allison. The producer was Halby Wallace, and the cinematographer on the film was, was Arthur Edison. Casablanca is a film that has many awards and honors, including many Academy Award nominations for uh, Best Actor in a Lead Role for Humphrey Bogart, Best Actor in Supporting Role for Claude Rains, Cinematography for Black and White, Arthur Edison, uh, Music Scoring of a Dramatic Comedy Picture, Max Steiner, and Best Film Editing for Owen Marks. It did win three awards at the Academy Awards. It won three Oscars for Best Picture, Best Director for Michael Curtiz, and Best Writing for the Epstein Brothers and Howard Koch. It's also included on several AFI Top 100 lists. It was ranked number two on the AFI's number 100 Years 100 Movies list, and again at number three on the 10th Anniversary Edition of that list. Uh, on the 100 Thrills AFI list, it was ranked number 37. Number one at the 100 Passions. Number four for 100 Heroes and Villains, Rick Blaine, number four hero. Uh, on the 100 Songs for AFI, it was number two for As Time Goes By. And 100 Cheers, it was ranked at number 32. On the AFI's 100 Movie Quotes Edition, it, was, it had many uh, quotes nominated at numbers 5, 20, 28, 32, 43, and 67. It is probably one of the most quotable films of all time. I grab Ogati, then she walks in. Well, that's the way it goes. One in, one out. Sam. Yes, boss. It's December 1941 in Casablanca. What time is it in New York? What? My watch stopped. But they're asleep in New York. I bet they're asleep all over America. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. What's that you're playing? Oh, just a little something on my own. Oh, stop it. You know what I want to hear. No, don't. Played it for her, he played it for me. Well, I don't think I can remember. If she that. can stand it, I can. Play it. Yes, boss. It was inducted to the uh, National Film Registry in the inaugural induction ceremony in 1989, so it is in the National Film Preservation. And over at our site, The Essential Films, it has made several top 100 lists, including the 100 Greatest Films of All Time. We ranked it at number one. It has uh, also showed up on our Greatest Movie Heroes and our Greatest Movie Love Stories. And of course, it is also one of the 50 Best Picture winners of all time. So going forward with uh, this analysis on Casablanca, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say that this episode will have spoilers of the film. And just for future reference, um, most of our films will probably include spoilers, so it will behoove you to watch the films ahead of time before listening to our show. So if you've not watched Casablanca yet, first of all, what's wrong with you? But second of all, uh, just go out and get your copy of it, rent it, buy it, whatever you want to do, watch it first, then come back and listen to this episode. Pause it, I'll wait. Okay, that out of the way, let's get to it. So Casablanca, to me, is the greatest film of all time. That's the end of the argument. It's the end of this podcast. All right. Not really. But you want more, I'll get into it. Now, it's hard to believe that the film that many consider to be the best of all time, with apologies, of course, to Citizen Kane and The Godfather, started with the most humblest of beginnings. Originally, the film was a play. 
an, an, an unproduced play that was titled uh, Everybody Comes to Ricks. And the rights of that play were bought out by Hal Hal Wallace at Warner Brothers. And filming began in May of 1942 using standard Warner Brothers contract players. Now, no one, including the actors, uh, ever thought the film would amount to much. The film's script wasn't even ready when the production began, forcing the film to be shot in sequence, which is a rare thing. The plot follows Rick Blaine, uh, played by Humphrey Bogart, as an exiled American who runs a seedy nightclub in World War II-era Casablanca in Morocco. Now, all he cares about is booze and money, and he sticks his neck out for no one. When Nazi officials arrive at his casino, they want to his cooperation in capturing a, a freedom fighter that escaped one of their concentration camps. Now, Blaine has no plans on interfering, but when he, the escapee enters the bar on one fateful night, he is shocked to see that his old lover enters as well a woman that left him years ago as the Nazis occupied Paris. Of all the gin joints in all the world, why'd she have to walk into his? Now, if you're a movie aficionado, then they don't get much better than Casablanca. On top of the many all-time movie lists, in my opinion, this is the greatest film ever made. You owe it to yourself to watch this film as it... It's an American and it's a cinematic classic. Rick Blaine is one of the coolest characters ever written. He was James Bond before there was James Bond. And he is certainly the template for every leading man ever since. And he was played with such an excellent ability by the late, great Humphrey Bogart, one of the coolest actors of all time. And Blaine can smooth talk his way out of any situation. He can charm any woman he wants, and he can take care of business when it needs to be taken care of. He looks, no, he looks cool no matter what he wears, whether it's a tuxedo or a trench coat. And Bogart and Blaine wear it with style. And in fact, both the tuxedo and the trench coat are iconic images of not only that film, but of, uh, of cinematic history. It's, it's, it's one of those iconic moments that you can recognize. And you see that white tuxedo, you see that bogey with the trench, co- with the trench coat and the hat, and you kind of recognize where it's from. Now, Rick Blaine is one of the quintessential male icons. His story arc is brilliant. He must choose between love and virtue. His love for the woman who broke his heart or helping her husband escape the Nazis and continue the fight against the spreading evil of the Third Reich. Blaine's character goes through a series of emotions throughout the film, from the cool and attached club owner to the bitter and heartbroken man who was confronted with the woman who broke his heart, and finally, to one of the most selfless heroes in screen history. His last and his final speech in the film absolve all his sins and gives him closure, and he becomes a hero. Ingrid Bergman as a second build as Ilsa Lund, Blaine's former love and Laszlo's wife, never has a woman look so beautiful and desirable on screen before or since. Now, while Arthur Edison's camera work is gorgeous, it doesn't take a master to make Bergman look as good as she does in this film. No disrespect to Edison's work, which, again, is amazing to look at in this film. Bergman is more than just her looks, though. Her performance as Ilsa is brilliant. It's difficult to play a character like Ilsa, who is a montage of conflicting emotions, as well as the audience is really on Rick's side for the first half of the film. At first, the audience is meant to sympathize with Rick. After all, Ilsa left him standing in the rain with a funny look on his face. But on the surface, you understand why Rick fell in love with her. Her beauty is unparalleled. However, as the story is revealed, and the audience starts to understand why Ilsa left Rick, and she begins to pull at your heartstrings. She truly is in love with both of these men, torn between the love of her life and the man who helped her forget that man when she thought he was dead. Her eyes practically swim with tears, and she listens to Sam play as time goes by. Hello, Sam. Hello, Miss Elsa. I never expect to see you again. It's been a long time. Yes, ma'am. A lot of water under the bridge. Some of the old songs, Sam. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. 
Where is Rick? I don't know. I ain't seen him all night. When will he be back? Not tonight no more. He ain't coming. Uh, he went home. Does he always leave so early? Oh, he never. Well, he's got a girl up to the Blue Parrot. Goes up there all the time. You used to be a much better liar, sir. Leave him alone, Miss Elsa. You bad luck to him. Play it once, Sam. For all time's sake. I don't know what you mean, Miss Elsa. Play it, Sam. Play as time goes by. Oh, I can't remember it, Miss Elsa. I'm a little rusty on it. I'll hum it for you. Sing it, Sam. You must remember this. A kiss is just a kiss. A sigh is just a sigh. The fundamental thing. Her desperation and frustration with Rick in later scenes when he refuses to help her are also quite brilliantly played. She's finally forced to sleep with Rick. Well, it was 1942, so it wasn't explicitly shown, but that's what was clearly being implied, so that she can save Victor and the audience can forgive her. She is doing it out of love for both men. Paul Henry's supporting turn as Victor Laszlo is a difficult role and unfortunately often ignored and underrated. After all, the audience has been won over by the wonderful portrayal of Puffy Borgard as Rick Blaine, and how can anyone measure up? Even when we first meet him on screen, he seems ordinary, handsome, sure, but seemingly unremarkable. Later in the film, when Ilsa describes how she fell in love with him, it helps his image, but it's not really until he defiantly leads the house band at a club in the stirring rendition of La Marseillaise in a room full of Nazis that you finally see it. Play La Marseillaise. That's why she loves him. This man is a leader. This man is a hero. That's the man she fell in love with. And suddenly, you get and you understand Ilsa's conflict. Now, the other major role in the film belongs to Claude Rains as the scheming Captain Renault. Renault is a weasel, brown-nosing the invading Nazis, even though he happens to be in neutral territory. Renault wins money at Rick's casino without gambling, spends his evenings drinking, and arranges exit visas for young women in exchange for, implied, sexual favors. Rains as an actor is clearly enjoying portraying this man with seemingly little morality, but in the final moments he chooses heroism over cowardice. In a movie that has many beautiful story arcs, it still manages to find time to give Renault a satisfying arc for the audience. 
Sydney Greenstreet appears in a small role as the owner of a rival club to Rick's Cafe American, while Peter Lorre brings his nervous twitchiness to the sniveling stooge known as Ugarte. Veteran German actor Conrad Veidt brings his understated villainy to the film's main antagonist, Major Strasser. And of course, Dooley Wilson, who eagle-eyed viewers may notice cannot play the piano to save his life, shines as Sam, Rick's closest companion and club singer. Wilson's rendition of As Time Goes By will go down as one of the most famous musical moments in film history. The Epsteins wrote the majority of the screenplay, but were called away to work on the Why We Fight series after the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. Howard Koch took up the reins and worked up until worked on the script until they returned. Now, despite this, the screenplay is one of the most perfect pieces of cinematic writing ever produced. Even if you've never seen this film, you know all the lines. Here's looking at you, kid. We'll always have Paris. This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. This is one of the most quotable movies ever made. And forget the dialogue for just a minute, as amazing as it is. This is also one of the most perfectly structured stories ever written. Blaine appears to be hard and cold, but the rejection of Ilsa, Edwin Bergman, all those years ago, leaves him a broken and emotionally scarred man. Ilsa is the gorgeous but mysterious ex-lover that has come back into Rick's life and what is her ultimate agenda. Victor Laszlo escaped the concentration camp and is leading a resistance against the Nazis, a true hero, but do you want him to end up with Ilsa or do you want it to be Rick? Everything comes to a head in the climax, and it's one of the most memorable scenes in film history. Now, despite it being an unproduced screenplay, despite the fact that the screenplay was still not ready in time for production, despite the production delays, despite the the fact that the stars didn't even believe in the film, despite that Humphrey Bogart was attempting his first romantic lead, and despite the solid but unremarkable box office business, Casablanca went on to win three Academy Awards, including Best Picture. It's top's best film list, even 70 years later. It was responsible for one of the most memorable movie songs ever, and it featured some of the most quotable dialogue of all time, delivered by some of the greatest actors of all time. Casablanca exceeded every expectation. And what comes down to it, if you love movies, and you've never seen Casablanca, well, you're just cheating yourself. Play it, Sam. It's still the same old story A fight for love and glory A case of do or die The world will always welcome lovers As time goes by Okay, folks, that's going to do it for this show. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, This being our first episode, uh, you know, we're going to change the format around a little bit and, and it's going to evolve and it's going to grow so hopefully you enjoyed what we offered you this week and uh next time uh probably going to add that movie news section i was talking about to the format hopefully answer some emails if anybody sends us any emails uh and speaking of which um here's some plugs that we're going to throw in here if you want to visit our website it's uh essentialfilmspodcast.com essentialfilmspodcast.com you can also reach me on email at essentialfilmspodcast at gmail.com uh, if you want to send any suggestions for future films you want to talk about or discuss anything that i said on the show concerning the film anything you want to send me just don't send me any hate mail or well you can send me that too if you want probably won't read it though probably put it in the trash uh anyway you can also reach us at our facebook page the essential films just type the essential films to facebook you can find us that way we are over on twitter at uh, at essential films you can also find me on uh, itunes and uh, another show another movie podcast called the force perspective movie podcast uh where i join uh, my my buddy sports guy 515 and we discuss more current films sometimes we do retrospectives on a film series mostly it's a current film show uh we talk about films in the Discuss them and review them. It's a little more off color, a little more blue language. If so, 
it's a it's an earmuffs times for the kid if, if you have that in the car uh, you can also find me at superfriendsuniverse.com where I write some occasional articles music for the show is provided by Nemuel Raikal a good friend of mine uh, he provided music for the show you can find him over at SoundCloud uh, you can just search for Nemuel Raikal that's spelled N-E-M-U-E-L space R-E-I-K-A-L-L uh, find him in SoundCloud and uh, support his music he does good work uh, that's going to do it for this week on our next episode, we will be discussing Citizen Kane. Uh, that's not daunting at all. It's not a daunting challenge at all. Considered the greatest film of all time by pretty much everybody. Uh, except for me, of course, I consider Casablanca the greatest film of all time. So, yeah, Citizen Kane's not bad either, though. So, yes, that is what we will be discussing next week. So, please go out and watch this ahead of time before you listen to our next episode. If you want to buy Casablanca uh, on home video devices, I would suggest the 70th Anniversary Edition. It's a beautiful edition. Uh, it has the Blu-ray and a DVD copy of the film, and, and also a third DVD with uh, a bunch of bonus features, including a... A six-hour, I believe, documentary, uh, documentary miniseries on the history of Warner Brothers, plus a bunch of uh, great special features and some mini documentaries on, on the film itself, plus, I believe, a TV version of Casablanca, which I didn't know existed. But that's a great, great buy, the 70th anniversary Blu-ray edition of Casablanca. You should go out and get that. Any copyrighted material used on this program falls under fair use rules for criticism and comment, quoting or exerting work and review of criticism for purposes of illustration or comment. If you feel your copyright has been violated, please contact me at EssentialFilmsPodcast at gmail.com. For the Essential Films, this is Adolfo Acosta, and we will talk to you next week. And the names are Mr. and Mrs. Victor Laszlo. Why my name, Richard? Because you're getting on that plane. I don't understand. What about you? I'm staying here with him until the plane gets safely away. No, Richard, no. What has happened to you? Last night Last we said... Last night a... we said a great many things. You said I was to do the thinking for both of us. Well, I've done a lot of it since then. It all adds up to one thing. You're getting on that plane with Victor where you belong. But, Richard, no, I... Now, I... you've got to listen to me. Do you have any idea what you'd have to look forward to if you stayed here? Nine chances out of ten, we'd both wind up at a concentration camp. Isn't that true, Louis? I'm afraid, Major Strauss, I would insist. You're saying this only to make me go. I'm saying it because it's true. Inside of us, we both know you belong with Victor. You're part of his work, the thing that keeps him going. If that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. But what about us? We'll always have Paris. We didn't have, we, we lost it until you came to Casablanca. We got it back last night. When I said I would never leave you. And you never will. But I've got a job to do, too. Where I'm going, you can't follow. What I've got to do, you can't be any part of. Ilza, I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. Now, now. He's looking at you, kid.